This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Hey everybody, just before this episode starts, we just want to let you know that we have switched platforms. We were on Spreaker, but we have moved over to Anchor now. So all of our information will be updated and everything, so that way you guys can go straight to Anchor or to Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And this is the BRP Podcast. Now, if you're new to us, please go back to episode one and listen all the way through to this episode, so that way you can be up to speed on who we are, what we do, and everything like that. So this episode is number five. We're going to be talking about dreams on this episode. Before we get into this particular topic, I want to give a big shout out to Shandy and Diana for coming on our podcast talking about their experiences, their abilities. Those last two episodes that you guys listened to were by far the funnest episodes we could ever do. It was fun editing them. It was fun listening over and over again on their experiences, how they built their abilities, how they use their abilities, so on and so forth. And so we would like to be able to have more guests come on especially fun ones like those two. So in the future, we will have more guests on here and we'll be talking about certain aspects of the paranormal and all that good jazz. So for the topic for this episode, we are going to be talking about dreams. Now, this is David's topic, so he's going to lead off on this and I will interject or input a comment when needed. So David, go right ahead. Yes. Just before I jump into the topic, talking about the guests that we had on, I think those last two episodes, I think, were probably one of our better episodes. Oh, yeah. Because the feedback that I got from it is people, they learned a, a lot from, from that. Shandy, because obviously not a lot of people know about that type of work, and hopefully that, that helped out with her stuff that she does with their business and everything and hopefully she gets a little more contacts and and then with diana hopefully it just sheds more light on what we do and definitely gonna have diana come on the show i think more often because she is very good at uh at what she does and i think she adds better insight than you and i can on certain oh, yeah. things oh yeah definitely Especially when we start talking about like cleansings and the different types of cleansings and everything like that, she is definitely going to be yeah. on that episode. I think I think that episode's going to be up there too. I think it's going to be a big episode when we mm-hmm. talk about cleansings, 
because I think that's one of the biggest stigmas about when you tell someone we can cleanse their house or, you know, can you do a cleansing for us? They don't know what that fully 100% means. Mm-hmm. Like some people's minds are like, so what do you do? Do you light candles and do like a little ritual thing, you know, and some people make more fun of it than not. And then you have the simple stuff like involving herbs and they're like, oh, this is weird. I've only seen or heard about this stuff like in books or TV. But, you know, some of the stuff that we use, even common items such as salt, it really does do something. So some people kind of look at us weird and are like, really use that? And when everything's said and done and we actually do help them, they're like, wow, it's crazy that stuff you did worked. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be a big, big episode. Oh, yeah. That we do. And I'm looking forward to that one. It's going to be at least a couple hours if we don't split it into part one, part two, part three. It really just depends on how much content we'll have and how long it takes to record everything. And then we'll go from there. But definitely Diana will be a fun one to have on on that particular subject. Well, that one's going to be hard. Just not of all the stories that we have with different cleansings that we've done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? There's some pretty big notable ones that we've done that, you know, involves, you know, people being, you know, I guess oppressed, not not in a demonic way, mm-hmm. but like with spirit attachments and stuff like that latched onto people. Severing spiritual attachments to people mm-hmm. is different than just cleansing a spirit from a house. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have tons of stories that, you know, can be intense ones and even easy ones that we just go in there, know right what to do and boom. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna that, that'll be big. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, me too. I am definitely looking forward to that one. That one will definitely be a fun episode to do. Right. So dreams. I decided to. I, I suggested this topic for dreams because in the group, and then I guess in my paranormal life, I'm referred to as a person who relies on dreams when it comes to the paranormal. And it's mostly, I didn't know that there was a word for it. Diana coined the term dream warrior, I think she called it. Mm-hmm. Who is someone who is a, a little more open in the dream realm. And I, I would say it probably wouldn't have been as bad or I wouldn't have known much about it had I not done the paranormal. But from like a kid growing up and stuff, I mean, I, I, have, I literally have a dream every night. Uh, to this day and sometimes I have multiple dreams uh, a night and most dreams I can tell that they're just you know dreams they don't mean much and then other times they're just kind of more of my you know thoughts of, of like the day before or when I think about something or like even dream about movies but I have pretty vivid dreams and I can usually remember all of them within good detail to a point but when I was a kid I you know like I said I dream every night but a lot of my dreams early on was me always dying. I would always die in a dream. So every night I'd go to bed, have a dream, die in it, wake up, that's that. And I I couldn't really ever figure out why I would have nightmares every single night to a point where I got so good at uh, like having so many nightmares that I found a way to wake myself up before I die or when things got scary in my dreams. I don't know why, but like when I ever had a feeling like, oh, something bad's happening or I don't want to be in this dream anymore, I would close my eyes really tight and then just picture myself when I open them, I awake. And for some reason that would work. I'd wake up. So 
I I don't really use that anymore. I mean, I don't really have nightmares per se, like involving monsters and stuff from like, you know, like people classify nightmares. But I do have what I would call paranormal dreams because they would have dreams that involve, say, my paranormal team or like you're you're in my dreams or I'm with someone that I, I know is on my team and we'd be going to places and doing, you know, our investigations and stuff that I've never done before. Like the places that I'm at, I've never seen this place before and dealing with stuff. I mean, even I, for instance, when I, Shandy was in my dreams, you know, and I just don't understand some of the stuff that I dream about. Mm -hmm. But when I wake up, I know that this is something to take note of, to remember of. I may, it may not mean something right now, but eventually it, it could mean something. It mm -hmm. could be looking into something premonition to maybe something in the future a future location that we might do which i've had a dream of investigating a house before that i would never been to and that same month because i don't know how close it was from when i dreamt it but we uh did end up going to a house in idaho that we walk in there and i'm like this looks so familiar this is crazy and then just talking to the homeowner about some stuff, I'm like, yeah, you go down this hallway, you got a bathroom to the right, two bedrooms in the back left. And like I described her whole house without walking too far. And she's like, yeah, that's that's right. And so, I mean, we didn't really have too much crazy happen at that house. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting that I dreamt about that house. Mm -hmm. And I dream about stuff all the time. And sometimes I, I don't think I've had a crazy, crazy dream where it's like big big thing that i've come across and done but it, it's very interesting what most people deal with dreaming is lucid dreaming that's kind of like the biggest thing involved in dreams because if you try to research dreams because i, I kind of do a little bit there's not much into dreams i think most studies people do in dreams is uh, lucid dreaming and that's when you're in a dream and you can know you're in a dream because that's the biggest like it's like a fourth wall breaker that some people can't do and i've always tried doing this i try to tell myself when i'm in a dream i want to just whatever i'm doing just stop where i'm at standing there in my dream and just say i'm in a dream i can never do it it's for some reason i never think but in my mind without saying it out loud there's a part of me that knows that this is a dream but i'm just kind of seeing a new world in my dream so I just kind of go with it until it ends. So it's it's very interesting. But most people uh, associate dreams with lucid dreaming. They don't really go too much. But a lot of people, and this is where majority of our paranormal claims come from in dreams, when they are in a house that is haunted or dealing with spiritual attachments, they will have dreams uh, all the time. And they're usually pretty negative dreams or dreams that you know they're not sure what to make of. And it's hard to give advice on people who have dreams like that because there's not much you can tell them. It's their dream. They're having it. Mm -hmm. And you can maybe put take things from their dream that they're describing and use it towards maybe figuring out what's going on in their life. But other than that, it's hard because sometimes dreams are just dreams and they don't mean nothing. And sometimes they could mean something. But you, it's really hard to differentiate from the two. Mm hmm now, I had a question for you, David. When people have 
dreams. I have always been told and I've also heard that sometimes the people that show up in your dreams are people that you have ran across at one point in time in your life. Now it doesn't have to be someone that you know or someone that you've physically talked to, but it could be that random person that you saw walking down the street and you didn't pay any attention to it. Now do you think that's a, a feasible explanation to some of the people that randomly show up in your dream? Yeah, because your mind has to put a face to something if you're seeing something. So your mind had to, had to have seen it somewhere. Mm-hmm. But there's also a different thing that I'm trying to do and learning how to do, and that's dream hopping. Mm-hmm. And what it is is when I'm dreaming, I'm in a state where if someone else is dreaming or sleeping at that time, I can inadvertently jump into their dream and kind of experience the dream that they're having, whether it be in third person where I'm just kind of watching through their eyes or I'm actually there in my own body interacting in their dream. Okay. So, because for instance, I had a dream like that where I was seeing through the eyes of another person and I knew it wasn't me because I kind of, the actions I were doing, I was making those, but I wasn't consciously thinking, oh, I need to go over here or do this. It was kind of being made for me. I just knew I had to go do it. And all the people I was seeing and interacting with in that dream, I couldn't tell you who they were. And it was very interesting because I had a sense of, I'm in this random house I've never been into. And I had a sense of panic for some reason. And I see two people walk by the window and I hurry and go look out the window and see those two people. Never seen them before in my life, but I had a sense of those two people were, are doing something in my in my life in the dream that isn't good. Mm-hmm. So it was a very weird uh, feeling that I had to where I don't think that was my dream. And I feel like I was in someone else's dream seeing through their perspective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's a possible that you can have a dream. And even if you see someone in your dream and you feel like you don't know who they are, it could potentially be someone uh, in your subconscious that you may have met. Because okay. I have the same kind of feeling when I like deal with spirits in my dreams. I do deal with uh, ghosts and spirits in my dreams. Most of them that I deal with actually don't show themselves to me directly. Mm-hmm. It's mostly dealing with uh, poltergeist stuff to where I can feel a spirit's there and I know something's there and then something happens like a door shutting or something getting thrown and I just instinctively know that there's a spirit I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. I never really actually deal with spirits to where I can put a face and like a shape to it. I think it's only happened like a handful of times. Okay. I did have another question, so you know how I am. I don't dream, not that I am aware of, anyway. Right. At one point in time, you've tried time or time again to insert yourself into my dreams and my spirit guides have denied you access on multiple occasions. But have you ever, besides me, have you ever came across anybody that just could not remember their dreams at all? Like, to the point... Where it's like I, you, the person wakes up and it's like instant. You don't remember what you were thinking about or dreaming about when you wake up. You just woke up groggy and started the day. Yeah, it's pretty common. My fiance, she doesn't really remember dreams too well. Like there's occasionally dreams that she's like, she can kind of remember what happens. But when we were first dating, there was a time where she's like, yeah, I can't really 
remember my dreams ever. And there's a, it's pretty common that a lot of people either don't dream or say they don't dream because they can't remember what they dream or, or vice versa where they say, yeah, I dream. I just can never remember them when I wake up. And a lot of people, I think more people actually have more vivid dreams uh, and dream often who are more associated with the paranormal, whether it be advertent, like people who have gifts, who are sensitives, who are impasse. I think they're more likely to dream than other people. And I think there's a lot of people that if they don't believe in the paranormal and they're shut off to it, I think they're more likely to not want to dream because they have a different type of mindset that uh, if they don't believe in it, it's not true type deal. And I think a lot of people can shut off their dreaming to an extent to where like if they don't want to dream, I think there's a way for them to be able to shut it off inadvertently. Yeah. And see, and I think I'm more one of those rare unicorns out there that I have abilities. I've been building up my abilities. Yet I still can't remember diddly squat about any dream that I've had. I mean, the only two dreams that I've ever remember having was when I was a kid. And that was years ago, back when, you know, dinosaurs roamed the earth. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird that my abilities have been evolving been doing the paranormal for a long time but yet. everything's evolving except that one aspect mm-hmm. and i think i feel like i really feel like there's a reason for that i feel like there's something because what's what's going into my next thing that i'm gonna talk about involving dreaming is uh, astral projecting mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways dreaming is a type of astral projecting to where your you know your body or soul kind of leaves your body but it's in your head, right? And when it comes to dreams, mm-hmm. but I think the way where I do it sometimes, where it's called dream hopping, I think that's me inadvertently astral projecting my uh, mind and soul to into someone else's mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And if anyone knows much about astral projecting, I can talk a little bit about it right, right now, and then we can cover more of it later. Mm-hmm. or just talk all of it now. I would rather kind of talk more about it with Diana mm-hmm. if we have a chance, but I'll just do a, a brief thing about it where you're essentially, most people astral project, they can do it, um, you know, awake. They just kind of meditate and just kind of picture something and then, you know, they can get leave their soul out of their body and kind of roam an area. But I think dreaming, it puts you, that's your most vulnerable state is when you're sleeping. So that's why a lot of people have those nightmares and stuff when they get attachments to it because that's when the spirit can affect you the most through your dreams because that's when you're at your most vulnerable state. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people with their spirit guides can have their spirit guides kind of protect them while they're sleeping Mm -hmm. in in a way, you know, to the best that they can. So a lot of people don't astral project when they're dreaming. But I feel like, I don't know if maybe my... because I don't know my spirit guides very well. I don't really interact with them. I kind of pretend like they don't exist. But if people say they exist, and they might exist. But I, I really don't interact or use them. But so if they're helping me, I don't know. But Oh, yeah, they are. They're definitely there. <laughs> for some whatever reason, my spirit guides are allowing me to astral project while I'm dreaming. I don't know if it's if they're monitoring it. Or they just kind of let me go and they protect my body while I'm gone. So nothing else comes in my body while I'm gone. I don't know. But for well, some reason. I think I think they are 
I think one of them sticks with you while you're astral projecting and the other one stays with your body. And there's got to be some sort of a communication spiritually if anything were to, you know, happen to your body or something's trying to insert themselves into your body. I think that's when they pull the trigger and they snap you back into your body so that way you're protecting yourself again so that way nothing else is trying to take over essentially the body the host well what's interesting and i've kind of noticed this over my life but uh i dream i guarantee i can guarantee a dream when i'm at home right Mm -hmm. but if i go somewhere else like sleep in a hotel somewhere or go somewhere i'm not familiar with i tend to not really have dreams it's like uh, my mind and body kind of shut that down when I'm somewhere else. And I, it's possible because my home is my safe space. So mm-hmm. it's easier for me to be open when I'm dreaming at home versus where I'm somewhere else. Yeah, because you're in, you're in an area that you are unfamiliar with. And yeah. when you're in the area where you are familiar with, where you're comfortable in, that's when your brain just expands the your spirit guides let you do whatever you want to do while you're sleeping right but in a place that you are not familiar with there could be 20 other different spirits within that you know 15 20 feet radius of where you're sleeping and that would be like a big no-no to try to leave your body while all these other spirits are there you know yeah i've i've stayed overnight and slept at haunted locations before that you know is 100 you know haunted and I didn't dream any of those times. I just was asleep and then I woke up. I never had any dreams. And one fun fact about me, if I do sleep in a place that's haunted that we've been to and you know spiritual stuff happens, my ass isn't waking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm tired and I'm sleeping, you can throw whatever you want. I'm just gonna be like, nope, I'm still sleeping. You can't bother me while I'm sleeping, you know? I don't have that, you know, something knocks and I have to, you know, meerkat look up and what was that? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. Like if I'm sleeping and I'm tired, you can, unless you literally throw me out of my bed, I don't care what you do. I'm still sleeping. Well, and that, and that, and that's so funny because story time, David and I, we went and did a filming project for a buddy of ours, Paul Welch at the Jackson house in Eureka, Nevada. And this was going to be a multiple day event. So we were staying there and we had the whole place to ourselves, except for that weird woman and her children in that one room that never came out. I don't know. It was kind of a weird situation, but I digress. It was weird. But they didn't really interfere, so it's fine. Yeah, it was fine. But there was one night where I was laying in bed and I usually watch a couple episodes on YouTube before I pass out and everything. And David was already sawing logs over there on the other bed and I'm just sitting there just watching and all of a sudden I just hear something just get thrown onto the ground and I tell you what when you're half awake about ready to fall asleep and you hear something drop in your room and you know the other person is asleep that is the quickest way to be awake and alert (laughs) And, and I look over and I'm like what what's going on here like what the hell just dropped you know and I look over at David and he's just passed out He's just sawing logs over there. And I was like, okay, well, it took me a while to get back to to that state again. But, man, any any type of bump in the night just, like, sets my brain off. And I think that's one of my problems is I have such a hyperactive brain that 
I could be physically and mentally tired, but once my head hits that pillow, man, it's like I'm doing freaking circles around the goddamn planet. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that's the same with Sadie. You know, my fiance, she has the same problem. She can be tired and tired, but the minute she goes into bed, she's like just on her phone and she's like, man, I can't sleep. And it's like, you were literally just complaining about how tired you are, but now you can't sleep. So it's got to be something where your mind just keeps thinking or overthinking stuff or just still trying to do stuff while your body's like hey let me sleep yeah and to come back to earlier when you said about you know when you're when you're asleep you're the most vulnerable and everything yeah because you know a little bit about my past some of the stuff that's happened to me the portal underneath my bed i've had attachments all my life i've been terrorized all my life with spirits and everything and i think that's where it stems from that's what I can safely assume is why I don't dream and I'm very not so able to sleep these days you know what I mean yeah I think I think, I think there's that. deep deep traumatic stuff in your past that you may be uh, repressing mm-hmm. that's also probably what's key, like why your spirit guides won't let me into your dreams because I think there's something locked uh, deep in your subconscious that if it were to get unlocked things might be set in motion that maybe your spirit guides don't think people are, are you know the world's ready for yeah set a chain reaction of things happening and i think that's what's also holding me back on developing my abilities even further because like we've talked about privately like i feel like i've hit a brick wall with my abilities i feel like i'm not advancing but i'm not regressing either it feels like i'm just like right there and even though i've I've voiced my frustrations towards you. I've voiced my frustrations towards Diana. I've even screamed at my spirit guides, you know, trying to figure out, like, why the hell won't you just let me just slam the door open so we can get this over with? The sooner I can get this over with, the sooner the better. You know what I mean? And I just can't seem to get any answers. But I think it all stems from when I was a child and the shit that I had to go through when I was a child. And ultimately, I think the shit that I was experiencing spiritually in my dreams as a child just in general I think that's what was my biggest influence when you know growing up and everything because you know I'm I wasn't perfect I was a little heathen never listened to my parents nothing you know until that cleansing happened and everything like that and it just seemed like I naturally just kept the straight and narrow until you know I turned into a teenager and experienced you know, all the fun things teenagers do, but anyway. But that's what I'm thinking is, is what happened to me as a child, I think, is what's stopping me from progressing into what I need to be in, you know? Yeah. Well, I, and I, I think you'll get there. I do think that there's still something that you're waiting on for things to fall into place and to do, and maybe even do this a little bit longer before you get there. And then, you know, I think all it would take is just one, one, one case. Like, out of all the cases we do, all the cases we're going to do, I think it's just going to be one specific one for whatever reason. Is As soon as you do it, that's mm-hmm. the one that sets it off. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a constant jack-in-the-box that you, I think you're going to be waiting for. And it may come with you having to, you know, open up a lockbox from your past and trying to resolve issues there that, you know, I may not be aware of that mm-hmm. is, you know, festering um, but there. But um, I think there's there's got to be a reason for it. And it also doesn't help that, you know, I think we're a little 
rusty because we haven't been doing lately our investigations as much as we were in the past. Yeah. Because when you started your progression to opening your gifts, I mean, we were, we were pretty busy in all aspects of investigation, whether it be team-wise or going to places or doing this or that. You know, we were pretty heavily involved. And I, lately we've just kind of been, you know, we've been doing the, the tech side of stuff, but we haven't been, like, going out there and experiencing new things lately. Yeah. Until, until things start calming down in the world especially with this whole COVID thing. But we have been issuing out ads and everything, so hopefully we get a little bit more busier, and I would love to keep working on my abilities, you know? Yeah. Well, I think we are. I think actually this this year, 2021, I think it's going to be obviously better than 2020, but I think it's going to be a decent, steady year of doing stuff, I think. I think mm-hmm. we, I mean, we have a lot lined up to do, and I, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, we're we're gonna be we're gonna be dealing with skinwalkers soon. So I mean, I've never dealt with one before. So I mean, that could be the one, you know, that kicks kickstarts your your thing into the gear because mm-hmm. that maybe a skinwalker could have been what you dealt with as a child, mm-hmm. and maybe it's been like lurking in the shadows, following you up to this one point where you can deal with your issues head on. Mm-hmm. And that could be the case. I mean, it, it could have been a skinwalker that I've experienced when I was a child. I, I just don't know. Like, obviously, there's a lot of things of my childhood that I do not remember anymore. And I don't know if it's because it's a mental block or I just have a mental disability of remembering, you know, my past and everything. But outside of that, I just... I would really love to know what's going to trigger it so that we, I could just get it done and over with because I know it's going to be hell for the next little bit once that door slams open because I'm going to have to adjust my... Uh, my oh, What's the word I'm looking for? I'll have to adjust the way that I live, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, I'm sure it's a big adjustment. I mean, if you deal with people that, you know, were born with this type of gift and then just adapting over the years versus mm-hmm. someone who just gets it in a sense overnight. That's a big, that's a big change, big shell shock. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's the reason why it's not opening for full door. And they're wanting you to kind of have that same type of progression as a child growing up would have it and just slowly introduce concept and ideas with you. And as you get stronger as a person and with, you know, doing this, you learn more, then they can be like, all right, you learned this new technique. Maybe we can give you this little bit more with your spiritual side. So you know how to handle it better because you learned this technique. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of variables that can go into it that I'm sure your spirit guides just want to scream at you and slap your face and say, just wait. Oh, I, I'm sure they're they're probably just shaking their head at me like, why are you wanting to rush this? You need to wait. And it's just like, no, I want, I just want to get this shit done and over with. It's not that I'm an impatient person. It's just that I just feel like that brick wall is just stopping me from advancing the way that I should be, you know? Because, right. you know, how long has Diana been on this team? Year and a half? Almost two years now? Probably and since then she's been helping me build up my abilities and like on the previous episode she talked about you know she talked about how she had a mentor to open her abilities build her abilities and so on and so forth well she's my mentor now but at the same time it's i feel like i'm not i guess i guess it's more of a just a pride thing i feel like i'm just not 
meeting that meeting expectation. your own expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing to look at. So when you first like joined a team and started investigating, to where you first started getting your gifts, what what what's the year span there? Nine years. So you have that from when you first started having zero gifts to meeting someone and starting to hone your gifts. That's nine years. So it took you nine years to get to that point. Now mm-hmm. you go from when you started developing your gifts to now, that gap's a little bit shorter, but you've you gained a bit something big. So mm-hmm. to go from now to you're wanting to open the door full bore, I think they're wanting to flip it and give you more time to deal yeah. with that because I think in the span from when you started opening your gifts to now, that's a lot than I think certain people could handle. I think you can handle what you've been handling, mm-hmm. but if you take someone else, a regular person that's not into the paranormal and they get the same amount of gifts that you've gotten so far, I don't think they could handle it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it does ta- take uh, you know much skill and talks to your character that you're able to handle what you've been able to handle so far. Yeah. And I'm sure my spirit guides are very, very patient and understanding of my frustration and everything. It's just something that I've been frustrated with for the last three or four months, you know. Because when did I last talk to you about it? About around then? About your wanting that you've been thinking you've hit a brick wall? Yeah. Um, I don't really know. I maybe December, January, I maybe three months ago, two months ago. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well the caseload is starting to get there, so we've had our group meeting, we've we got a lot of different locations we're gonna be heading up. We're gonna be dealing with skinwalkers, old abandoned factories and an island, and anything else in between. Yep, yeah, we got um, some good cases that, you know, residential cases that are potentially, you know, building up that we're doing. And mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I mean, even you, when we were trying to figure out the dates for certain things, I mean, we were having to move stuff around just to make stuff work. Because, I mean, we have a decent amount of places we can do. Mm-hmm. And there's even a place on our list that we wanted to do last year that we didn't get to because of certain things. So now we're adding it onto this list. So, I mean, our list is pretty big for this year. Yeah, it, it's big, but it's not big at the same time, if that makes sense. Cause well, it's, with, it's dependent on yeah. uh, people's schedules and yeah. whether stuff falls through or not. And But, I mean, if you just look at it as a whole on the potential that we could do this year, it's pretty big. Yeah. I mean, we're we're going to be averaging at least one to two investigations a month from April to October. So I mean, that's that's not a big that's not a bad caseload, and that's not including any residentials, cleansings, and all that good jazz. Yeah, and that that's all. Yeah, that's not including any of the last minute stuff that someone needs an emergency thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. These are all just ones that we can plan out that far because we have access to it that far in advance. Yeah, and I think once we start hitting our spring, summer, and fall schedule. If you have any dreams that you remember, if it was a case or a residential case, I think that would be a good topic to talk about, just like a little snippet on each episode. Yeah. This is one thing uh, that I've always believed in, even as a kid, because obviously it infected my dreams, I felt like, but I believe in dream catchers. I fully believe in dream catchers. I think they 
They definitely work and do what they're supposed to. But I mean, some people think dream catchers, the purpose of them is to capture the bad dreams and only give you the good ones. But I, I, I look at it as a dream catcher is almost as like a, a good way to describe it as like a Wi-Fi booster. I think it enhances your dreaming capabilities. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, the the initial concept of the whole dream catcher is to filter out the bad dreams and only allow you to have good dreams. Yeah, because it's, it's a Native American concept. Yeah. That's where it comes from. Yeah. And anything involving the Native Americans, I fully believe in, because I think they have a type of power that a lot of people don't have. Oh, yeah. 100%. But I think in certain circumstances, like for you and and other people, I think it can be something that will amplify it. Because I think... With you, I know you're more in you're more in touch with Earth. I'm more in touch with Earth. That's what the Native Americans were. They were in touch with Earth. Earth was the power. You know what I mean? Earth yeah, was sacred. Sacred. And dream catchers can be sacred as well. I have my own that was made by a Native American hanging over where I sleep and everything. Not that it's really doing me any good, for say. I think my peace pipe and my feather that I got from a Native American, I'm not going to s- specify anything more, definitely harnesses a lot more power than my dream catcher does. But that's for me, though. But for you, your dream catcher helps you amplify your ability to astral project, your ability to have these vivid dreams of places that you that we're going to and stuff like that. Well, I'll, have to, I'll take a picture of it and we could post it on uh on our facebook site for the podcast because it's actually really cool and i can describe it a little bit so it's like it's like a prism like you know diamond type but in the middle of it there's a, a wolf in it and then you know below it is the like the feathers that hang down from it it's really cool a dream catcher and i i really love it and i'll have to, I'll have to take a picture of it we'll post oh, yeah. it up i'll take a picture of mine too as well it's a little bit newer i've only had it for i think a couple years now one or two years but it's it's a really nice. It's just a traditional dream catcher. It's nothing like fancy or anything. It's nothing big or or anything like that. But it definitely suits me well. Just your your standard round type mm-hmm. with uh, like a leather binding and then just some like beads maybe and some feathers dripping down. Yeah, I, I have the red uh, red feathers. Wow, I just can't talk today. I have the red feathers, beads, and the whole nine yards on it. Nice. And then just is it like a. In the middle, is it like individual yarns wrapped around into like a, a pattern, or is it like a solid thing plastered in the middle? Um, I rem- if I remember correctly, it's yarn. I'd have to go look at it. I'll take a picture of it when we when this episode airs. We'll post it up so everybody can see it as well. Nice. Yeah, I think I think it'll be good. And then obviously, when people see it on the episode, they'll they'll know it's about dreams because you got a dream catcher in it. Oh yeah, definitely. But I think that's all I have on dreams obviously if anyone else has anything more questions about dreams they can obviously comment on our group or message us and then in the next episode mm-hmm. or the next uh, couple episodes when we give them time to do it we can readdress it yeah i do want to mention one thing though there are certain malicious entities out there that will try to intrude into your dream, let alone actually become successful, like succubuses and all that. When you have a particular type of attachment or an attack, say from like a succubus, they'll start, you know, in your dreams first. You know, the 
succubus will come to you in your dream as like this beautiful woman that you know your jaw drops and the whole nine yards and she is just the most beautiful woman you've ever seen in your life but then as the dreams progress over time that beautiful woman doesn't appear to be beautiful anymore and then obviously you're going to have the other issues that comes with attachments and everything like that but that's also another thing with dreams is it when you're having dreams that doesn't always have to be a positive thing or astral projecting or anything like that sometimes people have dreams because they have attachments because they've been attacked and feeling the sleep paralysis and and all that when it comes to a malicious entity like a succubus will do that to anybody more more likely than not than some of the other malicious entities out there i've never dealt with a succubus before to my knowledge Hmm. i mean i've had you know them type of dreams before you know where you got you know this beautiful woman and all that stuff but i've never had one where I've had multiple dreams of the same woman and I've never had them slowly progress into turning into anything malicious like that. So I, I don't think I've ever encountered a succubus, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of surprised that I haven't almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I think if anyone in our group were to encounter one, I would feel like I'd be like one of the first. Because mm-hmm. obviously you can't be touched which is maybe a good thing that you can't dream because there's a lot of things that can't affect you Mm -hmm. because you can't dream. So maybe that's another reason why your spirit guides won't let you dream is because it's a way of protecting you because you are our leader and you are, you know, gifted and are developing your gifts. You're like, well, if we let you be open to dreaming, it's opening you up to more potential danger. Yeah. And which that could be the case as well. I I really wish I could have the answer to that because it's been, you know, We'd really love to know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, no, that, that's all I got for dreaming. Did you have uh, some cases you wanted to talk about? Yes, one more thing about the dreams. If you guys want us to retouch on the dreams and talk about more on the malicious side of things when it comes to dreams and everything like that, let us know. Because I'm sure we could probably do another episode of just how malicious entities affect anybody's psyche in regards to like dreams and everything like that so if you want us to talk more about this episode please let us know and we can always do like a part two or something but yes so the two cases that we're going to be talking about the residentials we're not going to give out too much details and unfortunately we are not going to be putting up any evidence because this is how awesome my team is we respect our clients confidentiality especially when it comes to residentials and a lot of this stuff is private so it would be a violation of their trust and the contract that they signed with us to post up this type of evidence or talk about the nitty-gritty about it however we can't give like an overview and some of the stuff that we experienced and everything So the first case that I want to talk about was our first official residential case that we did in Smithfield, Utah. Now, the family called us in because they were having weird paranormal occurrences. Nothing really malicious or demonic or anything like that, but it was scaring the family. We got in, we set up all the equipment and everything, and started asking the general questions. And surprisingly enough, we actually got quite a bit of evidence from that investigation. I did a 
brief overview of it before we started this episode. And from the stuff that I saw, I mean, it, it just wasn't negative. It was mainly just spirits were just hanging out in the house. And then essentially we just had to tell them, you know, hey, you, you guys got to get, you know, you guys can't be here. You're, you're scaring the family, even though you're not aware of it, the family's scared. So after when we'd been there for about six hours doing the investigation, we wrapped it up, we checked out, checked out the evidence, actually had a pretty good amount of evidence. The client was happy with the amount of stuff that we got, and she even said that the house feels a lot better since we've been there. Now, this isn't, this was back, way back in the day before we even considered on doing cleansings and everything, but also a lot of our cases back in the day weren't so bad and they weren't that dark either and you probably didn't have that much equipment no no i mean we had the basic stuff i mean we had digital recorders k2s those old sony handy cams the tunnel vision ones yeah we had those the what th 360 uh p for the or did, was it uh 480 it was a uh, 480p okay well at least you were somewhat yeah decent. yeah I mean, it, it was definitely a digital camcorder, that's for sure. It took an SD card and the whole nine yards. Just the, the resolution was just absolute garbo on it. But we had to do what we had to do and with the stuff that we had. But we had, like, the egg-shaped uh, motion lights. We had laser grids. We, we had all the basic stuff to be able to get the done and everything. And obviously, when it comes to the paranormal... Our bodies are our tool as well, so some of the stuff that we could feel or sense or feel, you know, anything like that. But overall, that case wasn't that bad. It was actually a pretty fun case. Last I heard, they are not living in that particular location anymore. I don't know where they moved to, and I think a new family, or it's been a few years. But I'm sure there's probably a new family in that location now. The second residential I want to talk about. This was over in Tremont, Utah. This was a referral to us uh, by by a friend and we went out listened to the claims that were happening and everything and did some baselines, checked it out, definitely could tell that there was something going on there. So we went back out there for the investigation, had equipment set up. We got good amount of EVPs, uh, video evidence, picture evidence, everything like that. Since we've been there, I mean, obviously there's been activity and it's nothing malicious, but it's now that they have an understanding of what's going on there, like what kind of entity is there and how they communicate and everything and the fact that they're just not malicious, they're just there, they're just hanging out in the basement. They weren't so worried about it after that, and they were very thankful that we showed up and got them the answers that they needed, for, because, you know, that's their house. When you're not comfortable in your own house, that's a problem, you know what I mean? Yep. It's gonna... The more episodes we do this, it's gonna be very interesting, uh, the cases that we start talking about, and just seeing the difference between... Uh, early on where the cases were just pretty minimum and normal and just like oh yeah a couple things here and there mm -hmm. and then when you start talking about the later cases we start doing uh, 
when, when I start joining the team and then later cases we do, how much like every case we start doing is like, oh man, it's getting darker and darker. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to, to, to see the progression, uh, not only with with different cases that they get darker, but like it's like the more we understand things and the more we get better at doing this, the more darkness we see in the world. Yeah, so definitely. Very interesting. And plus with some of the things that Diana touched on on the previous episode, you know, earthquakes can cause that. Other ungodly things could also be causing that as well, especially some of the tension that's been building up in the United States for quite some time now. That can also do that as well. There's a lot of factors that can go into it, but man, looking back at some of the cases that we worked like eight, nine years ago versus the cases that we worked today... I mean, it's just a night and day difference. And like David said, it, it has been progressively getting darker and darker. In fact, our next cleansing that we're going to be doing and our next residential investigation that we're doing next week, they're pretty dark. But this weekend's not going to be that bad. So that, that, no, that's I a plus. I think we're actually, we're actually going to be doing one that um, is going to be, I think, pretty mellow. And the reason why I think it's gonna be mellow is because this person has lived there for a while, and they're they're pretty like open to the idea, like yeah, this place could be haunted because they think that you know the person who built the house lives there, and so they, they sometimes they feel like uh, the person's there when they do something with the house, and they if they always like kind of jokingly talk to this person, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but they they never felt like. Un, like unsafe in their own home and everything so i think this will be a first one where surprisingly what whatever we do end up getting i think in the home is going to be somewhat actually mellow yeah um, it's just the, only, the outside yeah just for some reason weird for some reason around the house out there has a weird energy to it but i mean land can be much different than a home mm-hmm. because the land was there before the home so well, and, be and this particular there. location is in Ogden, Utah, and Ogden, Utah is known for being the redheaded stepchild of the entire state. I mean, it was a it's a railroad town, so there was prostitution, mobs, drugs, sex, the whole nine yards. So it doesn't surprise me that we would be getting some some weird feelings from the ground. I mean, well, I'll just tell you that uh this homeowner said around their house they have found tons of animal bones like Mm. uh you know one of those uh five gallon buckets that you get at home depot yeah they were able to fill that up with just random bones of like animal bones Mm. but so if that doesn't like hint at something interesting then you know i mean maybe they're animal bones maybe they're human bones i mean i not a bone expert and they, he no longer has the bones. He just remembers getting a bunch of animal bones mm-hmm. around his house. Mm-hmm. Potentially hints at something. Yeah, it's not uncommon for the gr- for the ground or the area to have a weird feeling too. I mean, we've done a few cases in Ogden, like that one residential. Was it on Seventeenth Street? It's over there uh, by the dog food factory. Yeah. Well, that one was interesting too because. As an electrician, I like to, you know, be scientific about certain things. And older homes are, you know, that aren't properly wired or properly grounded can emit 
on their own high EMF that can affect a lot of things, whether it be person or even spirits in the home, they can, you know, so a lot of their problems were because you, you enter the house and the EMF was just through the roof, no matter yeah. which room you went into, no matter what. So that led me to believe during baselines that their house is improperly grounded to begin with. Yeah. I was more or less talking about that one where you guys thought I was coming up to scaring you guys and there was no one oh, there. Oh, yeah, that's a good story. I'm yeah. waiting I'm waiting to tell that story on another episode. But yeah, just a sneak peek. David and a few other people got startled because they thought I was scaring them and that wasn't the case. Just yeah. FYI. Yeah, that's a that that whole that whole thing is a good story. Oh yeah. It was it was definitely a really good night. All right. So like I said before, unfortunately, I'm not going to post up any of the evidence or any of the information about these two investigations due to the nature that they're, you know, residential and client confidentiality and all that good jazz. But we want to proceed into talking about equipment. Now, this is going to be my topic. And we're going to talk I about think. what? For once. Right. Well, it's, it's going to be it's going to be split up here soon. Now that we're getting the ball rolling and everything, and we're getting up there in the episodes, we're going to be swapping off, you know, who's going to be doing the equipment. Well, I mean, eventually we're going to get through all the equipment that oh, we yeah. have. So, I mean, this is just a nice little extra thing for everybody to, you know, hear about and what we use and our opinions mm-hmm. and stuff. And obviously, if people have more questions on stuff, they can always ask us, you know, via message or on Facebook, but... Yeah, and give you give you those unbiased reviews because you know some people get bought out by companies to to do reviews on equipment and honestly, money will not buy us to give you an honest review. You know. Yeah, yeah I have pieces of equipment that I bought that I I don't use on mm-hmm. investigations because to me they're not good. But in my mind, I don't know if they're good unless I try it. So yeah. sometimes I have to take the L you know, the loss on mm. some equipment just to make, just to see if it's worth uh, recommending to people, you know? Oh, yeah. And and so. that's the funny thing with the equipment that is being offered to us for the paranormal. Because there's not a lot of people that go out and buy these. So it's kind of a niche market. Yeah. There are it people they, online. Their prices can be high. Yeah. And people online will post up their reviews and everything like that, but it's just the, 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 the tangible just touching it and experiencing it and learning about it and learning how to use it and everything that's how we want to try to tell you guys about these equipments so that way you guys can make the honest decision on oh that sounds like a piece of equipment that would really work well for my team or now I'm going to stay away from that because it's too expensive and it's not worth my time you know um, on, an, on another episode are we going to give our opinion on apps oh yeah we're we might be doing a uh, unchained episode, to be honest with you, with some of these apps and other things that needs to be addressed that other people just can't seem to grab their balls and actually talk about it. So, well, that's the that'll definitely be addressed as well. But the piece of equipment that I'm going to be talking about are cameras. Now, cameras could be anything from point and shoot to video cameras. I'm going to mainly focus on the video camera aspect of it. Because really, 
the point and shoot cameras are self-explanatory now you can go out and you can go buy a full spectrum point and shoot camera or you can go buy a regular point and shoot camera you know it really just depends on what you need it for the only thing i'll say about the point and shoot camera just as a, a tip because there's not much to really talk about it uh and not even point and shoot camera your phone any type of camera that's a steal take multiple photos of the same spot for potential evidence to you know examine it's so frustrating when someone comes up to me but like hey can you look at this photo and tell me what you see and it's only one photo and it's like well i see pixelation i see pareidolia i see this i see that you know and then they get offended because it Look, we, we do this. We do this investigation stuff. Now, if you take a picture and you think you see something, great. Not a lot of people are going to agree with you. It's going to make it more believable if you actually take three or four or five pictures in a row. Because then if you actually did catch something, it could be credible, you know? Well, you can track it. So if something's mm -hmm. in one image in the left corner and you take it a second time and now it's somehow in the middle and you take it again it's the right you can track in a photo that something is moving mm -hmm. versus something that if you take a picture of something oh clear image and then the second picture oh something's my screen's black and then you take a picture again and then it's back to normal that tells me that in that frame something walked in front of the picture mm -hmm. yeah definitely and if you if you take pictures of like light anomalies and stuff always take them three four five pictures in a row because light anomalies even though they could be there for a split second if you're fast enough you might be able to get one or two pictures of it it's just it, it's better to take multiples of one area to to see what type of evidence you have than just take one photo and try to convince the whole entire world that you have evidence without having at least two pictures before and two pictures after to collaborate that evidence you know but anyways, you can go back to your uh, mm -hmm. other cameras. So mainly what I wanted to talk about was actual digital handheld video cameras. Now, when I first started doing the paranormal stuff, the 720p and the 1080p cameras, those were, you couldn't touch them. They were stupid expensive back in the day because, you know, that was the latest and greatest technology that came out so we're stuck with the handy downs of like the sony handy like the sony uh handycam for example we had two of those and then we had some other i think it was a panasonic or whatever the handy cameras that we had they were 480p night vision so infrared and they can record for a long period of time these two particular cameras we caught the bulk of our video evidence with before we decided to upgrade. Now, if you're familiar with the cameras back in the day, when I say they're tunnel vision cameras, you might understand in 2021 versus back in 2013, 2014. When we finally upgraded our cameras, we moved away from the old technology to the new technology I decided to gamble and roll some dice on some off-brand GoPro-style action cameras. Now the brand that that I use is called SJ Cam. They're out of like China or Japan or whatever. 
and you can get them off of Amazon. Now, they're not marketed towards ghost investigators, you know, ghost hunters, paranormal investigators, what have you. They're actually just a normal standalone action camera that comes with the weatherproofing case and all the little bits and pieces that you would normally get with like a like the name brand GoPro. Which those cases are fine, but you have to do some modifying to get them to work good. Yeah. Now these action cameras, the ones that we started off with were the SJ4000 Plus Wi-Fi Edition action cameras. They were 1080p, 30, 30 frames per second. Came with a skeletal case and a weatherproof case. Came with all the bits, the whole nine yards. I found a guy on YouTube that actually did a step-by-step -step on how to turn your normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill action camera, particularly the SJ camera, to a full-spectrum action camera. And the way that he described it and showed it on the video was essentially you just pop the front of the case off you unscrew the lens you get yourself a blow dryer because a heat gun would actually melt it so a blow dryer is actually hot enough to melt the uh melt the glue you get a razor blade and you just point the hair dryer at this lens for a couple minutes until the glue warms up and you uh get the you get the knife in there and you safely remove the IR cut filter from the lens itself. And then you just put it all back together and then connect it to your camera so that way you can accurately adjust it so that way it's in focus again and then you go from there. I tell you what, upgrading to action cameras for paranormal investigations has been a godsend. It's so nice because these action cameras, they see 170 degrees of viewing angle versus the old cameras that we have. There, it was like you were just looking down a hallway, like tunnel vision. So that's why I say these old, old cameras, they're kind of like tunnel vision versus the cameras of today, particularly in 2021, because what is most people have these days? They have action cameras because they have that lens on them that does the 170 degrees of viewing so that way you can get more on video than you were with the standard camera but that wasn't where i stopped i did some more modifying on these cameras too the audio on these cameras are garbage they're analog they're mono one channel audio recording so what i did was this is back when Radio Shack was still around. You know, back when dinosaurs used to roam the earth. You would get... What's a Radio Shack? Right? Um, you would get one of these receivers that that take the just regular normal headphone jack. And I drilled a hole in the side of the casing and, and I mounted in there. And then I got two pieces of wire. And I found that using wire out of an Ethernet cable ended up working the best for this. But essentially, you just wire one side into one hole and the other side into other hole and solder it all together, get it all nice and neat and put it all back together. And then you just go buy yourself a little microphone off of like Amazon for like five, ten bucks. And it, it improved the audio quality a thousand percent. You can actually hear EVPs. You can actually hear what's going on around the camera and everything like that. 
Then you just had to modify the weatherproof casing so you can just plug it in while it's still in the, the casing. So it's not yeah. really weatherproof to where you can dunk it in the water because there's a side bit cut out of it, but it's still like a shockproof and protector case on it. Yeah, most of them did get modified that way. Uh, back in the day when those SJ cameras were new, they actually came out with a really sturdy skeletal case, and that was actually good quality plastic and everything. Nowadays, when you get these uh, SJ cameras, they come with this cheap, like, flimsy little skeletal case that I don't even recommend, but... That's because everything is that, uh... Um... Oof, I can't remember what it's called. The Almighty Dollar? No, it's the the process that they make stuff now. Uh, 3D printing. Oh, 3D printing. Everything's 3D printed now, and the type of plastics they use for 3D printing is cheaper and not as sturdy as the hard mm -hmm. plastics. Yeah. Because it's harder to make the hard plastics. Now, there's other companies that do make cameras just for ghost hunting. I mean, you can go buy them off of GhostUp, GhostHunterStore.com, stuff like that, that are tailored for the consumer, but it also comes with a price tag, too. So, when I bought these SJ4000 cameras, in fact, my newest camera that I bought was an SJ7 Star, which I only had to take the IR cup filter out and that was it they've actually made a lot of improvements on this particular model where you can actually plug in an, in an a external microphone without having to do anything else obviously it has to be their own brand because the way that the pin pinout is and everything and honestly I didn't really feel like trying to figure out what their pinout is so that way I could just modify any microphone to do that you know it's more of a convenience thing than anything else. And the audio quality on that camera is a lot better, especially with that external microphone. It actually has two or three built-in microphones inside the case, and then you have the option to do the external microphone. And then the actual video quality of it, we can actually do 4K at 30 frames per second on that particular camera. Yeah, that, that's the funny thing now is uh so back you know i would say a good like six years ago you know 1080 was like that's the best you can do standard and but like so now like 10 1080 that that is the new standard and mm -hmm. 4k is what everyone's shooting for everything's 4k now 4k 4k and now the next thing that's going to be big that's coming up that people are getting into is 5k yeah which apple already came out with their display a couple years ago on their mac pros were 5k i do believe so, but correctly. yeah with i mean what i use for our filming or our walk around cameras because the sj cameras and handicaps you use we put them on tripods and we set them up in a corner and we hook them up with our ghost lights that we have that can be plugged in which are awesome so you don't have to worry about nine volt batteries all the time with some of our lights because that's the biggest problem is where each camera you set up in a corner you, you know, you got battery life, so you got to check up on them, change batteries out. It's a whole process mm -hmm. when it's, it comes to investigating for a couple hours that, you know, you got to take your time and go through. And so one less thing to worry about when it comes to our lights is just plug them in. Best thing that Rich ever did for those lights. Oh, yeah. And that that's the biggest drawback about some of these action cameras. Now, the SJ4000s, the average battery life on those are about 40 to 45 minutes. But 
it's also a good thing too because then we can plan on okay so every 40 45 minutes let's take a break so that way i can walk around and change out the batteries then we can start up again and you know in 40 45 minutes we can change out the batteries and take another break you know yeah and that's good because if you just go like investigating like a full like four or five hours without taking any breaks you're gonna mentally exhaust yourself yeah and it takes time to go outside and ground yourself out and get prepared to go back in to investigate some more yeah the other drawback of that too as well if you're planning on leaving the cameras overnight and you're actually wanting to physically leave it's really not feasible with those particular cameras and the reason why I say that is because of the amount of modifying that I did on these cameras, you know, so that way we can do full spectrum and we can also do uh, have a better audio and everything like that. When you plug a power bank into it, one of those battery powered power banks for cell phones and everything, it actually made the audio unreadable. Like you can hear the pulses from the battery bank going into the camera and everything as it's demanding that particular amount of voltage and energy from the battery bank. So if you're wanting to do that, if you want to go that route and just plug it into a battery bank, I would highly, highly suggest having a digital recorder right there and then just do like a little snap or something so that way you can, you can sync the it. audio to the video and everything. Well, is it something that you did uh, recent, well not recently, but it ran for a long period of time was when you did a panoramic shot uh it was a uh, not a panoramic but it was a um uh what's the word i'm looking for um like it recorded over like time tons lapse. of time lapse yeah yes. where it like kept like on a little tripod that constantly shifted yep. in a slow amount of time but it was like basically those shots that you see where they speed up like going from like a it being sunny mm -hmm. and then it goes to go down to a sunset and then you see the night Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that's just, oh, they're just speeding up the video. But sometimes what you do is to get people that do a time lapse of it. Yeah. And they, you can speed it up or lower it there based on the tripod at the time. Yeah. When I, when I bought the two SJ7 stars, I bought one. I didn't molest that one at all. That one's still completely stock. That's the one that we shoot our B-roll stuff with, our time lapse, stuff like that. On that camera the other camera I did molest it it is a full-spectrum camera so I can't I mean I could use it during the day if I wanted to it's just colors are gonna look way off but personally I find pictures that were taken from a full-spectrum or even an infrared camera I think they're still pretty beautiful even though the colors are way off but yes to answer what David was just saying the upgraded cameras the SJ7 stars they actually improved them greatly from the previous model, you know, the 4000 plus that I've had. And then obviously there's been a couple models between the SJ7 Star and the one that I have. One of those improvements is the fact that I can actually plug a power bank into this one and it does not affect the audio. It does not affect the video, nothing. It just plays it as it like a regular battery was inserted into it. So that was a huge plus that we could use my two pound heavy brick a power bank that lasts like two days you know charging people charging people's phones and cameras and stuff like that and it actually worked and so when I figured that out and figured out how to do the time lapse when we did the Jackson house I actually had that camera going for like what six hours eight hours something like that David 
That was pretty much like all, all day. All day and into the night, and after doing the time lapse and everything, it condensed like six to eight hours worth of video into about 30 seconds of video, you know? And that's yeah. how time lapse works. There, There is some trickery you can do in like a Adobe Edition or in, not Audition and, um, is it Audition? No, it's not Audition and Premiere Pro or in Sony Vegas or in some of the other editing programs where you can speed up, you know, a, a footage to make it look like a time lapse, but it's not really a time lapse. Yeah, it's just them speeding up a single shot. Yeah. So overall, if you're looking into buying a camera for just paranormal investigations, I highly, highly suggest, suggest action cameras. And if you don't really feel like forking over the coin for the novelty full-spectrum action cameras that are sold on some of these paranormal websites, just go and get yourself a, an SJ7 Star. Watch a couple YouTube videos on how to take the IR cup filter out. Do it yourself, and then you're good to go. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about these cameras. Now, the lights that we had prior to upgrading these cameras... The, the lights that we had were catered towards those older cameras. So the tunnel vision for viewing, we had the lights that that worked with that. Once we upgraded to the action cameras, we found out quickly that the lights that we have do not work. You literally have to put up two IR lights and you have to angle them so that way at least it covers the majority of the area that the camera is recording. And then we discovered a, a group out of Colorado called Colorado Paratech. Rich, he is actually one of our sponsors for Bear River Paranormal. He hand makes these infrared, ultraviolet, and regular lights. They're 3D printed. He actually spends the money on good quality components that go on the inside of this. Now, I'm big into com into computers and electronics and everything like that. And back in high school, I used to take all those classes to do soldering and learn about resistors and, and all that good jazz. The way that Rich has built them, that you can use two 9-volt batteries with these high-output IR LEDs that he uses and he's not using just little LEDs. He's using the fat daddy ones I mean these things have some girth to them and they put out a lot of infrared and It's funny that I can make Two 9 volt batteries last about six hours in this particular light when on average some of my older lights those batteries would die in about two hours two to two and a half hours at best and the fact that these new lights that rich makes can last anywhere between six to eight hours and not even dim that tells you what type of quality of parts that he's using but i reached out to him asking if he can create this light for me and i sent him a generalized sketch on how i wanted the light to look and everything like that and it was to cater towards these action cameras that we bought so after going back and forth on the phone and on email, he 
started working on them and everything and then you know obviously I paid for them paid for the shipping and he sent them out to me I ordered a IR and a UV light and they worked I just wish I would have realized that the angle needed to be a lot greater but it still worked for what we needed it for and then was like a year or so later he comes out with another light and it actually caters to action cameras these lights are full 170 degrees of raw viewing angle so we went from having to use two lights per camera to one one light per camera and the awesome thing is about these lights you can actually plug them into an outlet and they can run indefinitely you don't have to use batteries and I thought that was an awesome little feature so whenever we set up these cameras to record for long periods of time I always scope out the area to see where the closest outlet is versus like the whole entire room and where where the best place to put it and everything and and go from there now I highly suggest checking them out now even though I mentioned Colorado Paratech that's technically their paranormal group the actual company name is Ghost Light. Ghost Light is very known in the community. In fact, he creates lights for some of the high dollar production companies out there in California, Texas, stuff like that. So he's very known that his products are quality. I know their products are quality, but I'm also just a investigator owner of a team out of northern utah southwest southeastern idaho that a lot of people don't even know who i am but i will tell you this if you ever stumble stumble across this episode check out his lights his lights are phenomenal now back to the cameras since he came out with that particular light that does the 170 degrees of viewing that's what we primarily use for the cameras now it's it's amazing it's amazing how one light can illuminate a whole entire room and it really just complements these newer action cameras these days so my advice to you if you want to go into this field and you want to start filming and everything start with an action camera action camera is going to get you the best quality for the dollar anyway they're easy to modify and all you have to do is just make a couple phone calls and you'll have a light sent to you for infrared ultraviolet full spectrum it doesn't really matter now David actually has a camera that he like he would like to talk about now this camera is a lot more expensive than these action cameras the quality is beautiful it's actually pretty light and it's a good brand. It's a Sony brand, if I remember correctly. Right, David? Yeah, yeah, it is Sony. And uh, it's so looking into it, I was looking because we're, we're getting into filming. We wanted to film our own project. So I was looking for a type of film style camera that you can either like mount like on a shoulder mount or even what I have now. It's, it's essentially it's a backpack with a, a, a rod that goes from it and then goes T's 90s in front of you and has a, a thing that, you know, hook your camera up to and it basically it takes the weight off the camera but it's the most expensive camera you can get that has an IR filter cut on it so if you go any more over this so if you go the next camera higher in the list of mine it can't do IR 
So that's that's what the reason of me getting it was because it you know it was you know 4K standard. I was looking for that and I think I paid like a thousand dollars for it. But it's definitely it's it's one of our like B-roll cameras and it's a camera that we primarily use on, on the move. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm usually the cameraman when it comes to it because it's one of those where the hardest thing about fifth, well, I don't know the specifics of it. It's one of those where you have to like when you move with it, you have to like manually focus it because the, the problem with it is it, it when it comes to in IR and you're constantly moving, it's trying to focus so much that you have to manually focus it by hand to mm-hmm. get things to stay uh, sharp and clear the entire time. Because with what we do, I mean, there's a lot of zooming in, a lot of out looking for little stuff, person being on and then moving on to the next thing and object. So it has a hard time because I try to get, you know, our equipment that's smaller Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's going off, I got to try to hurry and get that captured on camera. So I got to manually focus it because the time for the camera's brain to focus it itself, usually the piece of equipment stops going off in that split second. So you have to kind of mm-hmm. be on the fly with it. But other than that, like it's on, I don't ha- I don't plug in an external speaker for it. It's an uh, internal speaker for the cameras really, l- really good and crisp that you can hear stuff without an external speaker on it. Mm-hmm. And I don't even add in my any external lenses on it or anything. I don't add much to it. I just have a, a T thing that the camera goes on and then uh, brackets for lights and then my backpack and that, that's about it. Mm. When I first started though, I uh, it's interesting to see my progressions of cameras that I bought, you know, my handy cams that I bought. And the very first one I bought when I joined the team was like some rinky-dink Chinese letter things that, you know, tiny thing and then i progressed up to uh another brand that you know said it was 4k but it's not a true 4k that's one thing you have to be careful about when you see stuff on amazon or whatever that says it's 4k you got to make sure it's a true 4k and not like a low-end 4k Mm -hmm. and then that one you know i bought two of those cameras one was one that was slightly different and then one was another one and then external batteries for it, extra batteries for it and everything. External lenses that you screw on to widen the lens. I bought external microphones for it. I did a lot of stuff for it just to make it as good as possible. But I think the more accessories you have to buy for a camera to make it look good, the less good of a quality of a camera it is. Mm-hmm. And it came to buying like four or five cameras to be like, you know, I'm buying all these cameras because they're cheap and I'm, I'm wanting to, I'm, the pictures look good and the description, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a big dream. Oh yeah, everything sounds good, you know, but I knew that if I wanted to get a good camera that's going to perform, I'm going to have to fork up, you know, some money for, for what I want out of it. Yeah. And, and that's just, a, that's just a general rule of thumb. The more money you pay, the better quality it is. Now there's going to be those one offs like the action cameras that I mentioned. Yeah. They're a lot cheaper than GoPros. But they perform just as well, if not better, than actual GoPros itself. So there are those one-offs, and that's why I highly recommended the SJ cameras, because I know personally firsthand, quality is actually there. You know, even though they might feel cheap, they might not have as much heft or sleek corners or anything like that like a GoPro does, but if you don't care about any of that and all you care about is what the camera does, 
they're very, very comparable. And that's why I always tell people, why spend three or four hundred, six, seven hundred dollars on an on a GoPro when you can spend a couple hundred dollars and get yourself an SJ camera that does 4K, 30 frames per second, and it's actually good. You know, it's actually really good. But on that note, now I know you guys have heard me saying infrared, UV, full spectrum, blah, 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 blah. So technically, the technical terms for those, IR is infrared. Infrared light, the best way that I can explain infrared light is, have you ever pointed a, a remote to the, cam to the TV and turned it on and off? There's an IR LED right there that's sending a signal directly to that TV. It's the same concept. When you light up these lights, it's going to be just a faint red glow. That's all you're going to see with your naked eye. But on camera, it lights up the whole entire room. Because it's, it's illuminating a type of spectrum that our mm. own eyes can't see that yeah. the camera filter can pick up. That gives yeah. it the term that you can have night vision or see in the dark through your camera. Mm -hmm. That gives it either that. Uh, some are different. Some it's a white color depending on your filter. Other times it's that green color that most people see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's one end of the color spectrum, essentially. Now, on the other end of the spectrum is ultraviolet. And that's the stuff that's coming from, like, the sun and everything like that. If you've ever seen these LEDs before, they kind of have, like, a purplish-blue hue to them. It's, it can blind you if they're pretty powerful. But nine times out of ten, they won't really blind you. And with your own eyes you see that it kind of lights up everything but when you take pictures with ultraviolet it actually illuminates a lot of different things that normal cameras don't pick up aka ghosts and then there's the right there in the middle the the full spectrum the full spectrum is going to have a bunch of different leds and different colors ranging from infrared to uv and anywhere in between yeah it's like a combination i know one that i had mm -hmm. that was a combination the top four was that purple-ish color and then the bottom two were like a greenish color mm -hmm. and sometimes you can have it where you have a row depending on your light is IR and then the other row is the UV that you can either have on at the same time or split it yeah and so th those are the definitions of those particular things and so when we're talking about you know we're using an IR light with our full-spectrum camera our full-spectrum camera can see all spectrums of light, and we're using one particular aspect of that spectrum, which is infrared. Or we could be using one aspect of it as ultraviolet, or anything in between. So that's what those mean. But in general, I, su I highly suggest you get in an action camera and modify it. Or if you want to spend the coin and go get one from one of these ghost hunting stores, you can go ahead and do that as well I will also advise if you do get an action camera get plenty of batteries usually most cameras come with like two batteries that ain't gonna be enough you're gonna need like four to six a night per camera so just think about that when you're buying one of these to spend the extra coin to get extra cameras extra chargers stuff like that extra batteries yeah Yep. So I want your opinion on it a little bit because I hear this a lot that uh, more people 
say that when you have a camera in like a really haunted location or dealing with like a more negative entities that you're less likely to get evidence because they actively avoid the camera versus where if it's just you and you don't have like quote unquote proof then they're more active what's your opinion on that because with me i know we use cameras a lot obviously and then we get a lot of evidence with our cameras but there are times where they were in a place where we don't have a camera and it's equally as more exciting and then sometimes something's happening off screen where our camera can't see it and we're like man if our camera was just right there we get we would have got something great so it's mm -hmm. kind of uh, uh up in the air on what's good but i mean i like that we use our cameras and capture the stuff we capture because we have captured stuff that unless you saw it on camera you wouldn't believe it if i told you yeah you know and that's the funny thing spirits are obviously they're intelligent they were once like us if they were actually human the non-human ones we can touch that on a later subject but spirits if they want to show themselves on camera they will if they do not want to be seen on camera they will avoid it like the plague on every single investigation that we've ever been to i can only think of two investigations where i've actually caught something on video you know yeah it was the restaurant up in ogden canyon i'm not going to mention names and then there was the whittier center and we've already talked about how how that one was and everything like that and if you want to go see that video evidence make sure you join our facebook group page so that way you can see that video because it is it is fucking surreal like watching someone just twirl their dress and and i'm almost 100 percent sure it was the principal in front of that laser grade in front of the camera and the, the the restaurant in ogden i'm sure when we talk about our filming stuff we'll, we'll talk about that okay. one more in depth yeah so there's a lot possibly multiple episodes worth just mm -hmm. even before uh you guys as a group that i went there before you guys I've been there like uh, four or five times now that there's a lot with that that could cover yeah. I think multiple episodes yeah definitely but spirits they're kind of funny so they'll interact with you they'll play with your k2 they'll play with your rem pod they'll play with your periscope they'll they'll play with whatever piece of equipment that you bring so that way you know you can see that there's part of my activity when it comes to cameras Nine times out of ten, you're only going to get EVPs, knocks, footsteps, thumps, stuff like that. It is very, very rare to actually capture a ghost on camera because, like I said before, ghosts are intelligent. So if they want to be on camera, they'll manifest themselves into some sort of a shape or something so that way you can capture it. Other times, they'll avoid it like the plague, even though... We can hear the EVPs, we can hear their footsteps, we can hear their knocks. They're not willing to physically show themselves to the camera. That's the only downfall when it comes to paranormal investigation. A lot of people think that, oh, if I get this camera, I'm going to catch a bunch of ghosts and blah, 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 and it's going to make me famous, blah, 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 you know. That's not the case. In my nine years of doing this, I've only caught two two ghosts on camera and we're very iffy on uh light anomalies like we'll never show someone a light anomaly and say look we caught a spirit we yeah. say it as just that if, if we think it's 
interesting enough to potentially call it a spirit, we still say we caught an interesting light anomaly that we can't full out explain its uh, movements or behaviors or shape. Yeah, because light, light anomalies, they're not as a heated discussed, heated discussed topic in the paranormal world unlike orbs. In my experience, when it comes to cameras and light anomalies, if the place is very dusty, you're, you might as well render out any type of light anomaly evidence. But if you go into a location and it's practically spotless, where we've been to a few of these locations, if there is any dust, it's very minuscule. Like when someone walks by and they kick up just a little bit of dust, you know, no big deal. The furnace kicks on. If you don't see any dust floating around, you should be golden. There's been a few times where we've actually caught a physical light anomaly doing weird shit in the middle of a room caught on camera. If I show that to everybody, you know, everybody can be like, oh, that's a bug, that's dust, blah, 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 blah. But yet, they don't realize instead of approaching me and asking, you know, how long was this video clip? You know, how long were you there? Stuff like that. They just immediately dismiss it as not evidence. When the reality is, if you spend four hours on a location recording for any type of paranormal activity, you're going to get 24 to 48 hours of review. So, if I were to post up a video of a light anomaly, then I know for certain it cannot be re replicated, and not, it cannot be re reproduced, it wasn't dust, because I literally sat there staring at a computer screen for five hours reviewing video footage. So, that's kind of how the paranormal field works. That's why we don't usually post up a lot of our evidence, because frankly, I don't want to waste my time arguing with people if it's evidence or not. I know, for me, it's evidence. Anybody in the group, it is evidence, because it's not like I just review it and just call it good. David, you've seen the you've seen some of the evidence. Rebecca's seen some of the evidence. Diana's seen some of the evidence. If I capture evidence, I'm gonna show my team members. And then once we compile everything together, then we go show the client. Because the client deserves to have that evidence in their possession. So trust me when I say when I've spent eight hours watching four hours of video and clipping all the evidence and everything there's going to be evidence and I can tell you it is evidence cool I like that that was a good response but I think that's going to wrap up our episode for today we're already well over an hour and a half so hopefully you enjoyed this long episode on a busy Monday morning and not too boring I hope Some, I kind of felt like I was droning a little bit when it came to talking about the dreams but mm. hopefully it was kind of no, actually, it was very, very educational insightful, and very insightful. So, Because, I mean, I'm not an expert at all, so everything you're hearing me say is just me compiling up my own personal opinions about it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, take take what I say with a grain of salt, obviously, because yeah. I'm not an expert in dreams. This is just yeah. what I experience and what I think. Yeah, everything that we talk about is what we've researched, experienced, and or have dealt with. And on a on a very excessive level you know what I mean so 
If you don't particularly agree with what we say, or if you are actually very knowledgeable about this and you want to point out some things, you know, let us know. Obviously, we're not all-knowing, we're not professionals, we've just been doing this for a long time to the point where we feel comfortable talking about it in front of an audience now. Even though that audience is going to be virtual across the whole entire world, whoever has an internet connection and earbuds, you know. But that will do it for this particular episode. Now, episode 6 will be coming out here in the next couple weeks. We'll be talking about the stone tape theory. And David is going to be leading on that. We'll be talking about another, another case. And then piece of equipment that david would like to talk about but i really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to us and you guys have a fabulous rest of your day see ya you are listening to the bear river paranormal podcast brp podcast if you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting please send us an email text or call you can find all of our information at www bearriverparanormal.com We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at BRP Podcast. If you are interested in sponsoring us, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day.